Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa in Verse. How are you on this beautiful day or night, depending on when you are listening? Um, So we're just going to dive in. The poem from Hafez that will kick off this episode is called, I Have Learned So Much. I have learned so much from God that I can no longer call myself a Christian, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Jew. The truth has shared so much of itself with me that I can no longer call myself a man, a woman, an angel, or even pure soul. Love has befriended Hafez so completely it has turned to ash and freed me of every concept and image my mind has ever known. Wow. Love has befriended Hafez so completely it has turned to ash and freed me of every concept and image my mind has ever known. So love is so intense that anything beyond that doesn't exist. And that is like, whoo, I don't know. Oh, I, what, do you, what do you guys think? <laughs> um, I love it. That's all I can say. That's, that's the best I can say. Um, I'm not feeling very articulate today, which is really interesting considering that I am recording this (laughs) anyway. Um, but here I am showing up for y'all, my beautiful listeners and offering some thoughts I have on the trauma of hustle. Now, if you are not in my sphere, I invite you to join because so many good things are in there. Um, all you have to do is sign up for the newsletter and you'll know what's going on. I've got Mondays, I have uh, stories that I share called Maverick Mondays. And then Fridays, I've got Free Verse Friday, where I share a, a poem. Um, and the content of those, as long, uh, including this podcast, are centered around healing and trauma and all the things that we can do to better ourselves, to evolve into the most exquisite divine versions of ourselves so that we can thrive in this life as a human on this planet in this lifetime. All good stuff. So um, this week's Maverick Monday is called The Trauma of Hustle. And I shared my story of watching my parents hustle to achieve the American dream. As immigrants, you know, um, they were fed the story of the American dream, like most Im- immigrants, if not all. And, um, and that immigrant, uh, that American dream is if you work hard enough, then you too can succeed. Uh, and, you know, I got some problems with that particular narrative because it doesn't always work. It's, designed to have folks of color work really hard, but the system itself is rigged to keep folks of color down. Um, For example, and I write about this in 
my piece on medium in my Maverick Monday is uh, that black women or actually black business owners are twice as likely to be turned down for a business loan than our white counterparts. So that already tells you that if you want to try to run a business in the United States as a person of color and, you know, you have a, a double whammy, I guess, if you're a woman, because the system is also sexist, then your chances of succeeding are harder uh, because you can't get that business loan. It's It takes longer to gather the resources you need to set up, to really ramp up the business, to get it going, to start generating revenue. Um, and so we are conditioned to hustle, to think about how we can survive, not even thrive, just survive economically in this country by hustling. How many folks of color have more than one job? You know, but even if they have one job, does that one job sustain a decent, um, I guess, lifestyle? When I say decent, I mean like not freaking out about money. Um, And, you know, of course, the economics are terrible across the board where um, there really is virtually no middle class. It's either you're struggling or you're super rich and the in-between seems to be vanishing. But I'm not an economist, so don't go by what I'm saying. (laughs) But the point is that folks of color have been conditioned to believe that in order to succeed, we need to hustle. We need to work our butts off to work five jobs or to overachieve or whatever it is. But what happens is that as we are in this overdrive continually, you know, for years, not only do our nervous systems get overloaded and burnt out, I mean, frayed nerves is a real thing. Not only does that happen, but we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to pause. We don't know how to take a break. We think that if we are not doing something, then we are failing. And failing is like the worst thing ever, because if we fail, then we will um, be seen less than. We will not be seen as worthy of even being in this country, let alone on this planet. And so we continue to do, 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 and hustle, hustle, hustle. And to live like that is exhausting. And I will say that I am part of that, you know, conditioning of hustling and grinding and I don't like it, (laughs) you know, and I'm, I've been working on it. You know, the past few years I've been working on unlearning this conditioning of having to always be doing something, you know, even as, um, a mom, when I, when my kids were little, you know, I cut down on, um, my, my teaching load a little bit. And even though that freed up, quote unquote, freed up some space for me to attend to my kids when they were little, I still managed to create a to-do list that felt impossibly long. And 
from from where I'm standing now, looking back on it, I'm like, why did I do that? Like, there were some things on there that really didn't need to be on there. You know, I mean, of course, I can't remember any of them, but I just, in my mind's eye, think about how long that list was. I would write a new list every day just to like start fresh. And I would carry over some of the things from the previous day's to-do list onto the the current day's to-do list. And at first it, it felt like, okay, I didn't get to that, so I can get to it today. But then after a while, it was, I still haven't gotten to that. How many times am I going to put this on the list? When am I going to do it? Like, either do it or take it off the list. And of course, stubborn me, I would never take it off the list. But eventually, in recognizing what I was doing, then I started leaving things off the list. Um, there's this technique that I... Um, that I use sometimes when I feel overwhelmed and I call it the universe list and I just list everything on it, you know, like a big sheet of paper and just list everything, not just the to do's, but the things that you got to remember, you know, dates, meetings, like just everything, things you want to manifest, just like list vomit, we'll call it. <laughs> the, the li- I mean, I am, I'm one who loves lists. So I remember back in the day I had, at least three different kinds of lists running. So this universe list was just like all the lists combined onto one page or two, depending on how crazy I got. Um, But, you know, in hindsight, it's like, well, is that helpful? Because it, (laughs) for a visual, it's like, it feels insurmountable. And I think part of that like part of the reason I did that was because I felt that in order for me to feel like I was quote unquote earning my keep, I needed to prove that I was doing something. You know, I had this list, let's say there were 20 things on the list, right? And really only three of them needed to be done that day. But I was like, no, 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 you know, overachiever, I gotta put 20 on there just to like make it seem like I was doing important things. And of course, this largely is tied in with worthiness and, and (laughs) what, what one might deserve based on productivity. And as a mostly stay at home mom, of course, I was still teaching, but you know, it was part time and it felt like I was largely, well, I was like half stay at home, half working, but the stay-at-home days, right, I felt like because I wasn't working, I needed to prove that I was doing something. For whatever reason, I couldn't wrap around the idea of just being a stay-at-home mom and just, like, being with my kids, you know, maybe, like, cooking some meals, but there were, like, I had to always be doing. Like, I was always running around, running to Target, running to the grocery store, you know, taking the kids to mute little little kid music classes. Um, we were all over the place. I was always running, like, in the car, driving around, doing stuff. And I'm like, why? You know, now that, I, now that my kids are older and, and I have more awareness, I'm asking why. And it's because of this conditioning that in order to feel like you've earned your keep on this planet, which by the way is an invented concept because, (laughs) because the thing is you're on, you're born, you're on this planet because you chose your soul, your spirit self chose to be born on this planet because 
we wanted to play. <laughs> we wanted to play in the human form and learn a few lessons, you know, maybe evolve. And then, you know, when our time was done, cool. And then we do it all over again. So the idea of like earning your keep sounds ridiculous. If you ask me now, ask me that if you asked me 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm earning my keep. I mean, what do you, yeah, don't, doesn't everybody, but that even saying it aloud sounds so ridiculous, but yes, when I, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I felt that I had to prove to everybody else, even though nobody asked that I had to prove I was doing something, that I was contributing to society, that I was earning my keep and I deserve to be taking up space. How messed up is that? And I'm not, I know I'm not the only one. I know that a lot of people think this way and it's these messages that we get. It's this, it's, it's what the conditioning that we receive. I mean, it's just, it's just wild. And for me, I think a large part of that has to do with my parents being immigrants from the Philippines and coming to a new country with nothing, you know, like my dad, my dad came over as a medical resident and, um, they had, they didn't have any money, you know, and they needed money. And so they hustled, you know, and I just think about how, because of the social hierarchy of immigrants and people of color being lower, we'll just say for argument's sake, on the um, social hierarchy, that we needed to prove that we belonged, right? And then I wonder if this kind of hustling exists back in the Philippines. You know, like did my grandfather, my dad's dad, it, when he, um, when he was growing up, did he feel that he had to hustle, you know, that he had to work really hard to provide for his family? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious about that. But what happens is it becomes traumatic. You know, as I said before, in thinking about this go, 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 never rest, never rest. And what, how does that show up in our lives now? Right? So we've got burnout. We've got barely scraping by financially. We've got no time to really live our life's purpose. No energy to do that because we're just hustling whether it's in our job or our five jobs or, you know, taking care of kids endlessly and not giving ourselves a break. That distracts us from our life's purpose. And so I want to invite you to think about how you can create space in your life now for just small moments of rest for you. Rest doesn't mean necessarily take a nap, although I highly endorse napping. Napping is the best. Um, and I know some folks are like, I can't nap. I can't, I can't nap during the day. Nah, nah. <laughs> but set a timer, you know, set an alarm. I mean, the nap doesn't have to be long. It could be like 
10 minute power nap, you know, 20 minutes feels good too. 30 minutes. Cool. But watch for that sweet spot because any more than 30 minutes, you start to get groggy. So if you pass the 30 minutes, go all the way to an hour because then it's between 30 minutes to an hour that you, that's like the groggy zone. You get up and you're like, Oh, I feel it's more tired now. So if you're going to nap, it's going to be max 30 or over an hour. Um, and there are scientific studies that talk about this. So go, go look it up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, rest doesn't have to be a nap. I highly recommend it, but you can also just pause what you're doing, get up from your desk or whatever work that you're doing and go take, you know, a five minute break outside just to breathe fresh air, just to hang out under a tree, just to put your feet, bare feet on the grass or take five minutes to read a book for fun. I mean, it's summer. So read one of those beach reads, those like novels that you get at the grocery store, (laughs) you know, the Danielle Steele kind of fun, escapist, totally problematic, you know, because I'm sure there's racism in there. (laughs) But just for fun, like get a romance novel. I mean, just enjoy, enjoy life. And if you feel guilty doing it, do it anyway, because then you will slowly get used to the fact that, yes, you deserve rest. Yes, you deserve a pause, because whatever it is that you do for yourself is always worth it. Always. And when you do that, when you take that break, when you rest, you will be amazed at all of the good things that come forward whether it's ideas in your head or opportunities that pop up out of nowhere or phone calls from random people that you never knew you would ever hear from again. You know, it's just wild. It's because the universe knows that you're taking the time to get back into alignment with your natural flow of energy. You know, Um, human design is good for that, by the way. Human design is a really great system that sort of maps out your energetic qualities and how you flow and operate more in alignment with what works. Um, So check it out. If you have questions on that, drop me a message. But to think about how when we rest, you can create, you can generate new ideas. You can get clarity. Now think about it. If you, let's just say you're working a job, like a corporate job in a cubicle somewhere, and you got this report you have to do. I know it's all stereotypical BS, but I'm using it just as an example to illustrate. You work through, you know, those eight hours or whatever it is, right? And you got this report to do and you're like, oh my God, this report's taking forever, and I'm falling asleep doing it. If only I could take a nap, but my boss will find me or whatever. Okay. But Hey, maybe you're working from home. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go rest. I'm going to go walk somewhere, you know, take a walk outside, walk the dog, take some fresh air, whatever. Cause I can't, I'm, I'm done looking at this report. And then you go, you do your thing, you recharge, you talk to yourself, you journal, be with yourself, hug yourself, love yourself, all those good things. And then you come back 
and you look at what you've done and you're like, oh my God, everything suddenly is clear. Everything clicks into place and you finish that stupid report in 30 minutes flat. And you're like, yes, done. Now, the other scenario is you don't take that rest. You don't take that break and you just push through and you slog through that report. And then finally, finally, after five more hours, that report is done. And you're like, here you go to your boss. (laughs) And then what happens? Nothing. You get the same result, but you are not so happy in that second scenario. No, because you're tired. You could have done other things. So see, it's, it's so important to take that rest and just to be present. Um, I mean, the same goes for writing, you know, you might be working on a story or a poem and you're like, yeah, I got to make it work. I know it's there. I know it's there. It's just below the surface. If I just tweak it a little bit more, if I dig a little deeper, if I tear it apart and then put put it back together, it'll, the, the, the missing piece will emerge, right? I'm guilty of this a lot. Now, when I work too hard and I push it, I push it, push it and then nothing happens. You know, the poem's like, hell no, lady, we're not doing anything for you because you're trying too hard. And I'm like, oh, damn it. So then I just step away. I step away. Sometimes I step away for a few minutes. Sometimes I step away for a few days. And then I come back and I'm like, oh my God, that's what this is. Suddenly I get clarity because I went and rested, checked in with myself, said, who am I again? Oh, yes, yes, I'm Leslie Ann. I'm a, I'm a poet. I write. I write things. And I get connected to my divine self. And then I look at the poem and boom, it just magically clicks into place. So good. So hustling doesn't help us. Hustling keeps us in trauma. And, you know, some folks might be like, okay, lady, you're being a little dramatic with the trauma word you're throwing around. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I am serious. Hustle has been conditioned into our very bones that without it, we are worth nothing. Without it, we're not earning our keep. Without it, we are not productive. And if we are not a productive member of society, then you will be offed. You will be booted out of the society. You will just not count. That is trauma, right? And so we need to look at our patterns of being. We need to look at the ways in which we're not being kind to ourselves. And it's okay if you're not kind to yourself right now, right? Because maybe you didn't know any better. A lot of us don't. A lot of us just do the things that we're taught because we don't see outside of what we know. We don't think to reach beyond that circle of our own knowledge. There's that saying, we don't know, we don't know, right? Until you become curious and you reach out beyond that bubble. You say, I want to know what's over there. What's on the other side of hustle? Is it possible? And start asking questions. You know, one of my teachers, he, um, he's so great. He always says this, the quality of our lives is based on the quality of our questions or something like that. And I know he took it from one of his teachers. And I know that the name of that person is somewhere floating around. I'll see if I can find it. And if I do, I'll, I'll drop it in the show notes, but The idea is when you ask basic questions, you get basic results, you get basic life. 
and you get the basic like yes or no questions. When you get questions that you don't know the answer to, when you start asking those questions, that's when things start to grow. That's when things start to level up. That's when things start to show up as possibilities you didn't even know were there. It's like, oh, what might be possible if I didn't hustle? What, what would that life look like? Can you imagine? No, you can't? Well, why don't we shine off our little imagination gem, start using it and say, what would it feel like? What would it be like? Can we heal that wound of hustle? Can we actively pursue a life where we can relax and not feel the pressure or the stress of having to go after money, go after the promotion, go after the publication? What if we could just relax into our being, do the thing that makes us happy, that lights us up, and trust that we get taken care of, that financially that money will flow to you because you are following your dharma, you're following your life's purpose, and that money will get attracted to your energetic frequency. Can you trust that, you know? It depends on where you are in this journey. You know, a lot of a lot of folks who are just starting this this kind of spiritual journey, this this kind of awareness might be like, yeah, right, lady. But quantum physics proves otherwise. It's not just some intangible woo-woo thing. Quantum physics can prove that your energetic frequency will attract the things that you want to attract into your life. So if you want some money, you want to attract that money, then you need to step into the version of yourself that already has that wealth. I know that sounds kind of trippy (laughs) and it's not as simple. Well, it can be, it can be, but it's a matter of sustaining it, you know? So imagine, okay, who, what, what's the version of you that doesn't hustle anymore? What does that person look like? What do they wear? How do they feel? What do they have for breakfast? You know, what do they do in a typical day? What does that feel like? And can you embody that feeling day in and day out and trust that the 3D world reality that is perceived through your physical senses will shift and shape itself around that feeling for you. It's also called manifestation. (laughs) Can you do that? That's a question for you to consider. You know, can you stop hustling? What does it look like to not hustle? Can you do it without guilt? If you can work on that and you can work on healing that trauma, that wound of feeling it's necessary to hustle, then the life of your existence starts to open up. I mean, really big open up. Freaking fantastic. Like you don't even know. So lots of questions for y'all. And I invite you to read my little story uh, on Medium Maverick Mondays because I uh, share a little 
personal anecdote about what it was like to work at Dunkin' Donuts when I was 12. I mean, that was my first introduction to hustle and what that felt like, not only just to witness it, but also to participate in it was um, very interesting. Anyway, well, that is, that is what I want you to chew on for this week, my friends. And to close out our episode, I pulled off the shelf um, Roske's newest book. It's called Be Holding. And it's a long book-like poem. So it's not like just one poem. The whole book is a poem. So I'm just going to read an excerpt of it and then send you on your way. Okay. So here's an excerpt from Be Holding. It starts on page 26. The soft grooves and crevices of their hands laid against the soft grooves and crevices of the tree, their human hands all gently grasping a limb as if to say, look, look, until they become one slow-breathing animal with 18 legs and arms and 10 hearts, looking into the near distance where a human song was lapping from the waves, lifting from beyond an anchored and just-listing ship, newly ballast-free, barnacled and slapped at by breaking wakes, its tar-blacked boards whining and gasping even at rest and waking from the song beyond the ship, as though from the ship a woman looked somehow as though she was ascending a staircase, first timidly and then trusting the thrust of her knees and hips and two good feet, taking them by twos, bounding, and soon behind came someone else, bounding and soaring and someone else, and someone else, until the ship itself seemed to drag its anchor, twisting to sea, and the live oaks too, turning beneath their shawls of moss, and the acres and acres of pines. Hmm. Y'all should just read that whole book. Highly recommend it. All right, my friends, as we will close this episode, as always, The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. Healing is so necessary for women writers of color. Whether we know it or not, our traumas hold us back from expressing and becoming our truest selves. How can we be more present to this? How can we create new ways of understanding our hurts so that we can heal them and step into our life's purpose with radiance? Follow me on Instagram for messages of healing and support as you walk this journey that brings you home to yourself. Find me at this handle, at suryagianyogi, S-U-R-Y-A-G-I-A-N-Y-O-G-I, or visit my website to learn more at suryagian.com. Your best healed life starts now.